Hallelujah. Come on, let's shout the victory today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for multiplying seeds sown. Seeds of service, seeds of finance. Hallelujah. Seeds of sowing into the kingdom of God. We value your kingdom, Lord. We value this place and what you have put upon all of us. We value the fact that we're reaching the lost and we're healing the hurting by God's grace. And we're seeing people growing and maturing in Christ Jesus. Father, we approach your word this morning humbly. We approach it reverently. We approach it with a sense of awe. We thank you for your word and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. For they are in agreement with one another. So we pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. That our spirits would be strengthened. And Lord God, show us things that we need to see. Give us insight. Give us revelation concerning faith in the blood of Jesus today. We thank you that there are no more limits in our lives. When we exercise faith in the name and faith in the blood of the Lamb. We declare today that we do overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And we do overcome by the word of our testimony. Thank you for speaking through me today. Thank you for thinking through my mind. Thank you for granting doors of utterance in Jesus' name. And we give you praise and we give you glory. And we honor you today, Master, in the mighty name above every name, the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. And uh, I want to talk to you about no more limits because we have faith in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you look with me at Romans chapter 3 this morning, you'll notice a couple of verses here in verses 21 through 25. It says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by what? Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Well, I believe. Do you believe? Amen. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, verse 25 is what we want to see. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation or a restoration back into harmony with God. Through what? Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, that at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus Christ. So through faith in his blood, we realize that we have been placed into right standing with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, Jesus took your sinful condition so that you may take on his righteous condition. For he, the Bible says, God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So how many of you know you've got to take it by faith sometimes that you're the righteousness of God in Christ? Because your feelings are fickle. 
Your feelings will try to fool you. The devil will try to accommodate the type of thinking that you're no good, that you're unworthy, that you're condemned. But your father sees you right in his sight. He sees you cleansed by the blood of the lamb. And so what he wants us to do then is to have faith and confidence in that his blood was shed for us. It took us out of darkness. It brought us into the kingdom of God. It took us out of guilt and shame and brought us into the family, hallelujah, of God, where there is no inferiority, where there is no sense of insecurity. We have been made and gifted the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So righteousness is not something that we earn. Righteousness is a free gift. Amen. So say it with me today. I am, through faith in the blood of Jesus, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, you know, if you were to go to a lab and they were to take some samples of your blood, you would get a readout of some things that may be going on in your body. You might be seeing what your hemoglobin is. You could be able to see your white blood cells. You could see your platelet uh, count. You could see all sorts of different things uh, as you go to a lab and as they draw blood from you. It can tell you what, what may be going on good in your body or some areas that need work. Well, thank God, as you look into the Word of God, a thorough investigation of the blood of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us and what He's doing in us, hallelujah, you get a complete big readout in the B-I-B-L-E. I'm telling you, there's righteousness in the blood. There's forgiveness in the blood. There's redemption in the blood. There's joy in the blood. Hallelujah. And you know what else? There's peace in the blood of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Why should we worry? Why should we worry when we placed our hand, placed our lives in the most capable hands of the king of the universe? Why should we worry when his name is Jehovah Jireh? Why should we worry when his name is Jehovah Rapha? Why should we worry when his name is Jehovah Raha? Why should we worry when his name is Jehovah Shammah? Why should we worry when his name is El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough? Amen. See, we're not in the kingdom of fear and doubt and worry. We're in the kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So look with me at this morning to Colossians chapter 1. And I want you to notice in verse 20. Colossians, the first chapter, in verse 20 says, And having made peace, everyone say peace. peace. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So the blood of Jesus is precious. And through faith in the blood of Jesus, you have peace. Amen. Amen. Now, in the natural realm, peace is scarce in these days. But even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of what's going on in the Middle East, Even in the midst of what's going on on Wall Street, even in the midst of what happened in Oregon, the Bible says, do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He says, my peace I give unto you. He says, this peace that I've given to you and made available to you, this peace is way out beyond the world. It's not a peace that comes in a bottle. It's not a peace that comes in a happy day. It's a peace that comes in the package of your redemption in Christ Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. He said, peace I leave you. My own peace I give to you. I bequeath to you. All of your labor, all of your conflicts, all of your struggles cease when you lay your burdens on the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, life gets much better when you place your life in the hands of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So God doesn't want you worried about anything. You know, he feeds the birds by the billions every day. And if he feeds the birds by the billions every day, hallelujah, I just have this knowledge in my spirit that I'm going to get fed today too. He clothes the lilies of the grass by the multitudes, millions and billions worldwide. And if he does that, he'll clothe you. He'll shelter you. He'll take care of you. Amen. Now look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew the 6th chapter. Say with me, by faith in the blood, I've got a peace that passes my understanding. What does that mean? A peace that passes my understanding. Sometimes you just can't figure out how you can feel so good when everything around you is so bad. Why? Because you've got a good God on the inside of you. Because you've got the Prince of Peace on the inside of you. All hell may be breaking loose on the outside, but when you cultivate this peace of God that passes understanding in your life, oh, amen, you'll be able to sleep well at night. You'll be able to keep a smile at your, on your face. You'll be able to smile at your future with confidence and great expectation because you've placed your lives in the hands of the Master. Amen. Yes, indeed. Amen. Amen. Now, look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Now, these are, these are words. These are red letters. Red letters trump everything. Red letters trump your feelings. Amen? Red letters. Or letters, words straight from the master. So, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to notice verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, that aligns itself with the scripture that says, casting all your care on him. Or, it also aligns itself with the scripture which says, do not fret or have any anxiety about what? About anything. So he said, therefore I say unto you. So he's talking to you. Take therefore no thought for your life. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? Nor yet for your body, what are you going to put on? Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? And we quoted this, paraphrasing it. Read verses 28 to 26 through 30 with me. Ready, read. Behold the fountain. Now everybody read. Don't just sit there and stare at me like a, you know, a dog at an empty can here. Or a cow at a new gate. Everyone read. We're in church today, right? All right, participate. Verse 26. Okay, ready, read. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? 
Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? (coughs) So, we could say this, when we're not operating in faith in the blood, we are operating in fear and doubt and unbelief. In other words, when we're worried about what we're going to eat, when we're worried about what we're going to wear, we are operating in fear. And so he reemphasizes in the next verse. And by the way, fear will never do you any good. Fear is a lower level and a lower lung, uh, rung of life that God has for you. God has placed faith on the inside of us. And I've discovered this, that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And so he reemphasizes here, notice with me, in verse 31. Therefore, take no thought. Now, thoughts are going to come. And thoughts are going to persist in coming. But just because a thought comes does not mean you need to accept that thought. If I'm not going to accept those thoughts, I must learn to reject those thoughts. Or I must learn to resist those thoughts. So faith in the blood of Jesus and proclaiming and applying the blood of Jesus over your soul and over your mind is a way for you to resist those thoughts that are coming to your soul. Amen. Amen. So he says here, take no thought. How do we take those thoughts? Well, we begin to say what those thoughts are bringing to our soul. Brother Hagin said this. He says, thoughts may come and thoughts may persist in staying, but thoughts that are not spoken or acted upon, those thoughts will die unborn. Amen. Amen. So instead of saying what those thoughts are bringing to your soul, why not say what the Word of God says to you about those thoughts? See, we have to discern and line up in our thinking where these thoughts are coming from. If these thoughts do not originate in God and do not originate in the Word of God, then we need to be very careful to examine those thoughts whether or not we're going to take them or not. Amen? Now, for example... Thoughts of sickness and disease come to every one of us, don't they? Thoughts of premature death come to every one of us. 
thoughts of you're not going to make it to live an old ripe age. You're going to die before the day is out. Now that thought carries with it a threat, does it not? That is a threat to your physical life. Now what we need to ask ourselves, does that thought, is that thought worthy of me accepting? Is that thought worthy of me thinking on? Is that thought worthy of me meditating on it? So if we're not going to take that thought, then we must not think on that thought. And if we're not going to take that thought, we must not speak that thought. Oh, I just don't know. How are you feeling, Pastor? Well, I'm feeling pretty good, but you just never know when your day might be. You know, I just had a, I have had a little ache here in my back. I, I don't know. It might be some sort of cancer in my back. I'm not sure. No, that's taking the thought that Satan has brought. Say it with me. Don't take the thought that the enemy has brought. How do I take those thoughts? I take those thoughts by thinking on them. I take those thoughts by speaking them. And when we think on them and speak on them, we're most likely to act on them. So what we need to do instead of taking them is we need to learn to resist them and to replace them. It's not just enough to resist those thoughts. We need to take it another step and replace those thoughts. Now, we resist those thoughts through faith in the blood. Say it with me, in the name of Jesus. Here's how you do this. Say this, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my thought life. Say it again, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my thinking. So that's your resisting part. I mean, the moment fear-filled thoughts Come to the city of your soul, whether it be concerning your health, or concerning your children, or concerning your finances. Immediately, we must go then into RM. Somebody says, RM, what's, what's RM? RM is resisting mode. <laughs> Say with me, RM is resisting mode. And then we need to go into the area of replacing those thoughts once we've resisted them. So, let me give you a few thoughts from the Word of God to think on, to dwell on, and to speak concerning your health. Y'all ready? Look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. 
Matthew, the eighth chapter. We prayed, didn't we? Are you believing God with me? Are you just on the I am? You know what the I am is? The idle mode. Or waiting for that one word, amen. You're dismissed. No. Here's what you replace thoughts of sickness and thoughts of disease with. First you resist. Secondly, you replace. And then you think on God's thoughts. And then you speak God's thoughts. And then you act on God's thoughts. Now here's God's thoughts concerning your physical being. Read that last part with me. Himself. Let's try it one more time. Now let's personalize it. Say this with me. Himself took my infirmities and bare. Now that gets personal right there. It's one thing for me to know that he took Paul's infirmities and he took my brother's sicknesses. But it's another thing for me to know that he loves me so much and he loves you so much that he took your infirmities and he bore your sicknesses. And what he took, you don't have to take. Take no thought. What he took, you don't have to take. What he took, you don't have to think on. What he took, you don't have to worry about. Come on. What he took, you need not take. And what he bare, you need not bear. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that just liberates me. So say it with me. Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, I resist thoughts of disease. I accept thoughts of health. I speak words of healing and I act on the life-changing Word of God and I proclaim every organ, every tissue of my body functions in the perfection to which God created it to function. And I forbid, put your foot down, I forbid any malfunction in this body in the name of Jesus. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord. Some of you have been taking things that Jesus took for you. Some of you have been taking torment when Jesus literally bore your torment. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Faith in the blood. 1 Peter 2, 24. And then we'll go back to Matthew chapter 6. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, glory. Man, this is shouting ground right here. Thank God. Who his own self 
bear our sins. He not only bore your sicknesses and diseases, but he bare your sins. He made it possible for you to live a sin-free life. In his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins should live or might live for righteousness. Read the rest with me. Now let me ask you a question. When it says you were healed, is that talking about you? When it says you were healed, is that something that is a past tense reality and is that not something that can affect your present tense condition glory Fred Price says it this way he said if you were healed you are healed and if you are healed you is healed say this with me if I was healed I am healed. And if I am healed, I is healed. Now, wouldn't you rather speak health and healing, even when you feel sick, than speak sickness and disease when you feel sick? Think about it is, you're going to speak something anyway. And if you speak what your feelings say, and if you speak how your body feels, you're just digging a further hole. Look back at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Let's work with this for a few moments. Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought saying what am I going to eat what am I going to drink what am I going to wear now notice this in verse 32 read that with me for after all these things do the Gentiles seek now stop right there after all these things clothing amen food What else? Shelter. After all these things, people that are not in the kingdom of God, that is what is first place in their life. Yeah. That's true. This is what the world is most worried about, and that is this. Me, (laughs) me, myself... I and my loved ones. Now, this is the way that the whole world's system operates. And this is the way that the whole world's system flows. They do not flow in selflessness. The world's system flows in selfishness. All these things is what the Gentiles seek after. But notice, but your heavenly Father. Ooh, glory. Your heavenly Father. Say it with me. My heavenly Father. My daddy. My Abba Father. 
He knows. knows. See, he knows that you need something to wear. Yes, he does. He knows you need somewhere to live. He knows you need something to eat. And from the looks of things, we all been eating pretty good. (laughs) Amen. And that's a good thing. Because we're not to be afraid because it is in fact a fact. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And in their kingdom, there is no shortage. And in his kingdom, there's no depression. And in this kingdom, there's no torment. This is a kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But now, is it possible? Let me just present this to you. I'm not pointing any fingers at any of you. I love you. God loves you. But is it possible for me, you, us... Is it possible for us to fall under the category of seeking after things? Is it possible, as a, is it possible for me to be selfish? Just ask Brenda and the resounding answer will be yes. It's the nature of the flesh to be real selfish. It's the nature of the flesh to look after oneself first. It is a me first mindset. We are in the world, but we are not of this world. The world, we could say, is the ungeneration. What do you mean the ungeneration? You talking about the uncola? No. I'm talking about the unholy. unholy I'm talking about the unthankful. Yeah. Now, it is a, it's a trick of the enemy for us to think that we're going to be living in this earth much longer. This world is groaning and this world is travailing. I want to prophesy to you today that Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. I'm going to prophesy over to this section over there. I said Jesus is coming soon. Woo! Somebody said, yeah, they said that back in Paul's day. That means that his coming is sooner than it's ever been. I said, that means that his coming is sooner than it's ever been. Raul, a thousand days. What was that scripture? One day with the Lord is what? One day with the Lord is is a thousand years. That means you and I are about an hour old. (laughs) So when you begin to look at it from a spiritual mindset and from a spiritual vantage point... We haven't been here all that long on God's timing and on God's calendar. Folks, this thing is about to wind up. There are people that said that Jesus could have come back last weekend. I'm saying he could come back today before I finish my sentence. 
And so what we should do is we should not only live with an expectancy that he's coming soon, but we should submit ourselves to his ways of thinking and his ways of doing and his ways of advancing his cause, which is seeking first the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Do you have a desire to please God? Well, if we're going to please him, we're going to need to operate in faith, right? Because faith pleases God. Now notice with me. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. I mean, they're all in when it comes to themselves. I mean, they're all in. They're at Ricky's bar right now. I'm telling you, they're in. They got the t-shirt, they got the truck loaded with beer, and they're thinking, man, it don't get no better than this. Lie of the devil, it gets a whole lot better than this. Well, I didn't come to church to be challenged. Well, why did you come to church for? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Read verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Woo! Let's just break this first part of the verse down. But seek first his righteousness. Not your clothes. Not your latest thing. But seek first the kingdom of God, His way for the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus to be living. His way of living is a higher way. His way of living is a better way. Come on. He wasn't kidding when He said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Oh God. Help us as a church to be seekers first of your kingdom. Pray this with me. Put your hand over your heart and say, God in heaven, help me individually to be a man of God, to be the person of God that you called me to be, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And then I am fully persuaded. I'm fully confident. That all these things. The food. The clothes. The shelter. The being taken care of. As long as I'm alive. It's going to be added. Let's say it this way. It's being added. To me, me. right now. now. Do you believe it? Let's give the Lord a big shout. Amen. Glory. Glory. Amen. And none of that, very little of that was in my notes today. So someone like me and you, we needed to be reminded of it. And we needed to hear this message today. In closing, look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 3 through 5. If you didn't get anything else out of this message, 
get this, RM, resisting mode, and then replacing mode. Resist and replace. That'll keep you busy, won't it? Notice with me. Though we walk in the flesh, there is a war. And this war that you and I are in, it's a spiritual battle. We face spiritual warfare every day. And then we are not to be ignorant concerning Satan's devices, his schemes, and his strategies, right? So he goes on to say in verse 4, For the weapons, verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are not fleshly. They do not originate according to the world's system. But these weapons... Everyone say, faith in the blood. Faith in the the name. Faith in the the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith in the Word of God. God. Those weapons, those are mighty through God. For what, Pastor? For the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are not necessarily evil spirits and wicked, and, and wicked spirits in high places. The major strongholds that you will face and you will battle and you'll have to deal with are those strongholds in your mind. Yeah. Now notice verse 5 and read this with me. Here's what we do. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and we bring into captivity... How many thoughts? We bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to leave you with this. I saw something recently from Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford's considered a general in the Lord's army. And he said some things about pleading the blood. How many have ever heard uh, this phrase, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood? I plead the blood. Here's what he said about this. When we talk about pleading the blood of Jesus, we're not talking about begging. Pleading the blood should not be considered a desperation exercise. God has not called us to come begging before him. Believers are not beggars. Now listen to what he says about pleading the blood. He said pleading the blood of Jesus is not the superstitious application of a magic formula of words. Rather, a spiritual dynamic that is being applied. He said, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than both the energy of our own humanity and that of our adversary. He said, the power that saves is also the power that releases, delivers, neutralizes and the enterprises of hell and the weakness of the flesh. I like how he says this. The appropriation of the power of the blood in tough situations is intended for every believer in Christ to know, to understand, and to employ. So let's close this morning out. Have you been fed today? Well, I've done my job then. That's what pastors do. Have you been encouraged today? Let's close this service and let's all stand to our feet.